Welcome back to Campbell Conversations with your host, Colin Campbell, and today is episode 184 of the podcast, and I'm joined in a roundtable discussion by returning guests, Chris Burns, the owner of Savage Scholar Consulting, and David Hatt, the founder of MTN. This is a return of the format we did for episode 100 of the podcast, and we called it Why That Quote. In short, we look at the power of the written word, specifically quotes related to key topics that this podcast is focused on over the last three years, self-development, success, health and fitness, and even investing and money. During the discussion, you can expect to hear our thoughts on emotional control, time management, holding on to anger, Stephen Bartlett, Tim Ferriss, and even post-nut clarity. I think you can guess which of the three of us decided to bring up that topic. Today's podcast is sponsored and supported by Clean Foods Meal Prep. The removal of over 90 minutes of cooking and preparation each week for me has been a massive win when it comes to freeing up my time, but also enabling me to eat tastier, more varied meals than I would if I was just bulk cooking on my own. The meals are cooked fresh each Saturday just outside of Glasgow and delivered across the UK. So regardless of your location, unless you're abroad, you can get involved. The link will be in the show notes and you can order today and use the code CAMBRO to save 15%. Deliveries are on Mondays or on Thursdays, so you can get a midweek top up if you need to. Quite simply, I probably wouldn't be able to put as much energy and time into the podcast, my training, my social life, and anything else I really care about, like my career, if I wasn't outsourcing this important area of my lifestyle. And I truly believe you are what you put in your body. And if you're not putting in healthy, nutritious food, then you are leaving yourself at a disadvantage. So please do consider, can you outsource that big important area of your life and get back some of your time. Before we dive into this episode, I want to say a continued thank you for the support in the podcast. If you are new here or you just haven't managed to do it yet, navigate your thumb to the follow or subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you want to watch this one in 4K HD, then you can do so on my YouTube channel, which if you search for Colin Campbell, Cambro Conversations, it will come up for you and hit subscribe over there. We're, we're not even at a 600 subscribers think over there so in comparison to the the audio audience that listen on there our youtube is pretty paltry but i'm so grateful for your support we are getting so much momentum at the moment and i've got some really big plans for episode 200 of the podcast i've reached out to some incredible guests to try and mark that milestone ways that you can help me achieve the kind of biggest and best possible guests are to make sure that you have left a five-star rating if you're listening on apple or on spotify or share this podcast with a friend that you think would enjoy it. Equally, go back in the archives, pick a favorite, share it with them as well. And we genuinely do grow one sincere recommendation at a time. And I've seen some noticeable growth in the last few weeks. So thank you to those of you who have taken action on that and are supporting the show. The music's going to play in just a second. We've redone the intro slightly, so the, the music should be a little bit softer. That's one of the areas that I've been investing in the in the podcast to improve the listener experience. But if there's anything that you think could be improved about the show, then please do slide into my DMs on Instagram at call.cambro. As I said, the music's going to play slightly softer than normal, and you're going to hear from myself, Chris Burns, and David Hatt for an hour and a half of hopefully very valuable but also highly amusing content. Chris, David, we're back. Another round of the three sort of wise men. And we're going to be talking about why that quote again, which we did for the 100th episode special. This one will be like 184. So not a special, but it's special when you two come and talk special. to me about all oh, sorts special. of self-development, mindset, one. business, everything like that. Mm -hmm. We've got 15 quotes to work through. Before we start, Chris, you don't want to apologize to anyone that was offended from 
the last episode where you went viral talking about Elf. No, Double Down. Was that the last one? Elf Double Down. Yeah, yeah. we did that a Christmas right. special and Elf shit. What did you say? The comment section was a, a like a sewer. Oh, oh mate, I actually remember see, reading one. It was like this guy's life must be terrible. I know. <laughs> see the abuse. That was my first experience with online trolls. It was honestly <laughs> mental. Uh, it was like, quite good fun though. It was good fun. Yeah. They were just commenting and boosting it on the album. Was that the whole TikTok thing? or Instagram? Uh, Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. TikTok yeah. was bad too, but yeah. they came for me. My request, my message request, man. <laughs> this guy was like, stop trying so hard to be funny, mate. <laughs> I mean, I, I laughed so oh, much at that clip. Like, like, as my, when my editor sent it back to me, I was like, excellent. Like, <laughs> and then the functional one. fitness one, people got annoyed by that as well. Oh, yeah, but that's like a pure gripe with me right now, anyway. There's like a bit of back and forth with me and the crossfitters. Actually, Jordan Green, me and him are going to do, do a podcast studio, in yeah. here uh, in the next few weeks. But he's actually on the same opinion of me we're like oh we'll make a big you're deal you're too reasoned that's, that's exactly, why yeah. exactly yeah. But, but this time around I wonder right. what, what, what upset anyone maybe somebody really really likes some of the people that we're going to be reading quotes from that we might not agree with we'll, soon, we'll soon find out but yeah the first one David is Morpheus from the Matrix and he said there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path that's one actually just reminds me of the the guys that you meet in a pub on a night out that uh-huh. tell you how they used to be in shape <laughs> and oh. they tell you exactly what <laughs> what you need to do to get back in shape and you're just looking at them smashing down 12 pints but there is a massive difference between actually sticking to what, what you know you can that, that, that. by the way i've just got invisalign so i'm actually going to trip over my words on a repeated you basis. normally sound so nice but i'm yeah. flavoring all over the place yeah, but, difference between knowing the path <laughs> and walking a path I've lost my I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> One of you Not can take too over. many teas. Right. That will come back. But yeah, yeah. In knowing the path and walking the path are massively different. Because how many people do you speak to, as you said, David, that could tell you exactly what they would might need to do to achieve their goal, goal or yeah. their business goal? But are they actually? Like taking action is one of the phrases I've always kind of banged on about on Instagram. But so many people could maybe verbalize, oh. I could probably do this and I would mm. get this or at least some version of that. Yeah. I think one of the ways that this actually rings true for me in a negative way, like I do this in the sense of like investing. So like in investing, I actually am pretty confident if I just invest in the S&P 500 for 50 years, I'll do all right. I'll make plenty of money. But there's so many other temptations. There's so many other things that you could be investing in. It's Bitcoin. It's whatever else. Crypto. There's all these other exciting things. So like the amount of stuff that I've read from pretty much any intelligent investor anyone that's done well with investing will tell you if you've not got a clue what you're doing i.e me put money in the s&p stick to it and kind of ride it out but mm. i know that i've heard it from enough people but there's still that there is still that temptation from external things to maybe pick and choose other things as well so it's interesting you can know the right thing to do but not always choose it mm. and you can look at that in business relationships you know you don't want to do you know certain things but you'll still end up doing them you can get a look, look at that in any light um but yeah it's interesting you, you, you can physique business relationships invest in whatever that we might be <laughs> i'm really struggling to speak by the way that i was speaking <laughs> uh, geez, wait, out. chris what do you think of morpheus for starters i don't think you you know it unless you walk it i just think it's you you you, you might know it theoretically mm-hmm. you might ah. know the textbook version of whatever path you're talking about like getting in shape building a business learning a new skill but until you actually get into it yourself and start walking the path and run into challenges and then figure out solutions you know i think mm-hmm. that's ultimately what leads to really knowing the path because we've all heard of you know generic cookie cutter advice for every single goal that one person yeah. might have i've heard that a lot for like building a business or like specifically for like copywriting or whatever it is 
I just don't, I just don't think you can, unless you're, I know it's the whole man in the arena thing, you know, yeah. unless you're actually doing it, I just don't see how your, your knowledge can never really apply. I, I think you know? we've covered something like this in, in another podcast at some point, talking about business gurus in the sense of people that are giving out business advice that haven't necessarily ever run a business. I struggle in any area of my life to take advice from someone that's not actually done it. They've not actually walked the walk. They've not actually put in the work, the time, the effort in these things. And again, I kind of made the joke about the guy in the pub at the start. It's hard to take advice from someone that you're looking at going, have you done these things though? Like, and again, that can relate to physique. It can relate to investing. It can relate to anything. But yeah, uh, you do want to take advice from someone that's walked the walk and they aren't just kind of giving you the advice. You want to see that they've they've put the time um, and effort um, in as well, I would say. I remember that conversation about gurus and a lot of the time it's maybe a guru that's had a short stint of success yeah maybe one particular campaign one particular yeah. product launch or one particular <laughs> business that they've then moved on from immediately to then educate in that business space and you're thinking right okay i'm not sure you've walked the walk in lots of different circumstances like i'll have by the time this comes out i'll have released a podcast by a guy called matt kelly and he was drop shipping for a few years in what he called the golden era of that period mm. where facebook ads were basically like six oh, pounds yeah. per thousand people and he could target exactly who was going to buy the product that he yeah. was buying in stock at one point i think he was selling like chargers and like plugs and things like that and he was like i could just target the right people and i was living in bali like raking it in but if he was to then teach you now to drop ship and he was saying this about kind of business mentors he wouldn't be able to tell you a lot of the things that would make you successful in 2023 versus 2019. And I think that's always yeah. a big thing that kind of gets my back up as well. Super relevant. I think even with online coaching, a lot of the stuff that I've done to build an online coaching business four years ago actually isn't relevant now. Like, and I don't do much online coaching now. So it's actually harder for me to give advice on that specific thing because I'm doing less of it mm. than someone that's maybe in the trenches and they're still walking the walk. They're still putting the time um, and energy into that thing. So yeah, I like it. That is mm. a really good point. Because like considering like, the systems that you ran your business on four years ago, they wouldn't be the systems that you run <laughs> a, a business <laughs> that you <laughs> have multiple. But the multiple coaches that you have working for you are benefiting from you doing that work and, and then developing and, other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah and then going sure. on to develop other things rather than potentially still doing the yeah. the coaching in that regard. So that that is funny, and that's maybe why you've never done loads and loads of coach. Mm -hmm coaching coaches yeah there's loads of reasons for that but yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> would, 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 would we get people upset commenting uh, about that, that, that let's leave that one there but uh, morpheus in terms of from the matrix chris i was going to ask you matrix is a film does that, uh, where does that rank for you uh mm, it's, it's 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 disappointing for me i think i think it could have been a lot better i think it was a really cool concept mm -hmm. and i love my films and I, I, I do, I, I do like it, but I just think it was one of those films. I was like, it could have been so much better, man. There's just something about it that just wasn't uh, quite. I've not seen Matrix in absolute years. Yeah. I used to love it when I was younger, but a hundred percent. The fight scenes. Also, didn't understand it. There's not a chance I understood that as a kid. I uh, don't know if I've watched it. Like, no, I've watched it in my adult life, but not recently. Anyway, but like you say, when, when we were young, when it came out, like the fight scenes were just like dodging no, bullets and nobody stuff. done that before so you're just like oh my god this mm -hmm. is incredible but when you watch it again as an adult you realize like nah, it's not really that great and like the, the trilogy isn't really that great either yeah. i don't think you yeah know. a lot of the concepts are more interesting so like kind of wise words like that but also like the whole red pill blue red pill, pill thing. yeah yeah yeah. Um, yeah yeah there's a lot of like youtube motivational clips that are like taken from that and they speak a lot about that yeah, it's deep um, it's deep like yeah. source material you know it really is but like yeah the film itself is, is that a book as well no uh, i don't believe so probably so there's probably been a like a book off a, afterwards right, okay. kind of like the way star wars was like star wars was a film then they, they wrote novels after the fact to kind of fill in gaps so there's probably something like that yeah. talking about yeah yeah but i in terms of that quote yeah i certainly think that mm. we should be optimizing for action rather than 
always mm-hmm. just knowing the path. Like you get so many know-it-alls that never actually do I've the done, thing. Done the thing, yeah. And mm. that frustrates me no end. And I think the the two yeah. the, 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 yeah. the two other guests agree on that. Absolutely. Quote two is from a gentleman called Jim Morrison, and he says, "A friend is someone who gives you total freedom to be yourself." Mm. I'd say a friend. I mean, you could say a friend is a million different things, but for me on that one, it kind of it makes me think about friends or people that are close to me that actually call me out on times that I'm being too much myself that I don't need to be myself in a sense like Ryan Holmes one of my closest mates is good at good at this I sometimes hit out with random ideas that maybe are very beneficial to me and not for other people and he's like nah actually think about that like yes cool that is you being yourself and expressing your ideas your opinions and whatnot but I think there's a time and a place for that as well and sometimes a good true friend can tell you maybe not to express yourself in a way that might not benefit you in the long run does that make sense when I was preparing for this episode, that was my exact thought. When I yeah. saw that quote, it was actually from my, it was one of the quotes of the day on the six minute diary that I do. And I was just straight away like, if I was somebody's friend and they were, and they were being totally themselves and it was causing harm to either themselves or people them around that. them. I, as a friend, I think it would be my duty to have the hard conversations, but like, look, you need to rein that in. Mm-hmm. But oh no, that's a total expression of myself in this moment in time. This is my lived experience. I would just yeah. be like, absolutely not. That's yeah, not like yeah. this. Like I would want my friend to say to me, that's out of alignment with what like what you're aiming at. That's out of alignment with the stuff that you told me you're gonna do. Like your 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 mate goes on a goes on a week weekend long bender when he's been telling you how, oh yeah, I'm 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 off it and I'm trying to focus on this, this, this. Oh but in in that moment he was being him true self by yeah, yeah. by 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 boozing all weekend. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, with you on that one. I totally agree as well. Yeah, friends have got to kind of. I do get like the friends have also got the positive side of a friendship. Yeah, you, you do allow your friends to be themselves, I suppose, but yeah, you don't let them just act like you know against their best interests, do you? You know, and I I don't even think it extends to like just like going on weekend long bender. Sometimes your mates can just genuinely be out of order in a social situation, or you know, they make they, you can see them making wrong decisions or upsetting people. You know, you just got to be like, listen, mate, like that's don't behave like that. You know, I've i've had to say that to my mates sometimes they've had to say that to me you know because that's essentially what mates do and you don't just let each other run amok you know to play devil's advocate in this kind of world where people maybe feel like they want to express themselves more than ever before i think maybe that quote is like maybe a hint towards that like oh total freedom of expression to just be whatever but then we've also on the flip side that coin got a world where we're more censored than ever before and we're asked not to say some of the things that might hurt people so I, I wonder if that from jim I, I need to look up who jim is, who is if, jim that, if, if, if that if that Who's comes from please that's what i was gonna say is that a singer no he drowned in uh he drowned in australia i think he drowned in a creek in australia he died tragically i remember, I remember. you have encyclopedic like knowledge sometimes <laughs> <laughs> that's impressive he sang, he sang hallelujah ah i thought it was jeff buckley Fuck it, was Jeff Burton. <laughs> what what Jeff did Jim Burton. sing? Jim Morrison was Jim Morrison at the doors. She like the lead singer of the doors. Baby, potentially. Baby. But in terms of that, in terms of that friendship piece, they should definitely enable you to explore things that you want to explore and relatively Aye. be who you want to be. But like, I would much rather a friend just reined me in when I thought I was maybe exploring my true self. You do. You just need somebody to call you out in your bullshit from time to time. And to be honest, I think it's your closest friends that will do that. Aye, for sure. Generally, like. I've probably only got like one mate, no, three maybe. Uh, no, nah, I've got like five <laughs> close mates and that's the only people that I would probably take it from if they were telling me to like rein things in as well, to be honest, mm-hmm. because I know that they would be doing it for my best interest as well. Yeah, feel yeah. I mean? yeah. yeah that is important. Do you ever have a fear that you'd get surrounded by yes men as you guys to become more successful? 
Nah, honestly, nah. I've got Chris and I've got Ryan Holmes, man. They're both fucking harsh human beings, man. They just, <laughs> they just tell me how it is. 100%. Fair enough. As long as I've got they two to, to just tell me to stop being a fucking idiot from time to time. That's helpful. That's all yeah. I need. Two mates like that. The rest yeah. of them can tell me yes all the time. I, I've, only, I've been pretty lucky. I've been pretty, yeah, I've been pretty lucky. Like, my friendship group hasn't changed at all. I think we spoke about this in another podcast, you know, that whole advice about, like, you need to ascend friend groups and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Get the same. My best mate, I've known him since nursery. My other mates, um, closest mates, I've known since first year in high school. Like, yeah. I don't, they, none of them run their own business. None of them run their own business. None of them are interested in the stuff yeah. I'm interested in, but we're best mates. Yeah. And it's not changed at all. So I feel like uh, I've never really run into that trap of like running into like, like, like yes men or people that just aren't afraid to like push back on certain things. Yeah. Uh, Jill, like my fiance, she's never afraid to to call me out on stuff and push yeah. back on things when she sees that, you know, it's not even just like when you're being out of order. Sometimes like it's just about if you're being a bit of a sad sack and you know, and you're not really bringing a lot of energy to the world and you're not, you're just kind of going through the motions. Sometimes people just say, oh, going to get a grip of yourself and yeah. shake yourself up a little bit. And actually, because sometimes that's all you need is somebody to kind of slap you out that little bit of a funk. Yeah. And then you think it's a big deal and you go on, oh, do you know what? I've actually not been putting any effort into actually showing up at all so the person who says it matters as david said though because there's particular people that you just cannot take that from I, i'm the same i've got a very very small group of, i mean again likewise with david i, I would listen i would listen to david I, was, I would listen to yourself colin i'd listen to a few of my mates there's probably off the top of my head one two people in my family i would listen to and i've got a very big family <laughs> you, know, you have to be like, selective in terms yeah, of what you're yeah absolutely about. absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's, it, it's an interesting one my thought process about it as well links to like your online friendship group because i think uh, nowadays you have like you would maybe consider a lot of people a light touch friendship online yeah and you can definitely get like yes yes people online that mm-hmm. just back you relentlessly and stuff and i think you see that in some like creators content where they might not be their friends but they're maybe enabling them to go down a path to explore themselves in a in a really like unusual way so like there's a big concept for audience capture audience at the capture, moment yeah, which is that kind yeah. of Gwinder Bogle um uh, on his Substack, and Chris Williams talks about it a lot where creators just double down on what's performing well so like mm. I was talking about like I would actually just do lots of solo episodes for yeah. my podcast because occasionally those do better than really really good guests and I'm mm-hmm. like wow why is that the case but it's a case of the audience are interested in it because I'm sharing lessons from the previous nine guests that I've talked to. Yeah, so it's nothing to do with I, you. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's nothing to do with me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know why. To be fair, um, if you were audience captured, you would just go down that route. So, like, are your friends online like kind of creating you into some sort of echo chamber as well? And that's definitely a danger with people like ourselves that are creating content and yeah, getting feedback on that constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I suppose because if you if you a lot of, you've seen a lot of people get uh, that audience capture thing where they just post like controversial things all the time it's all just controversial takes whatever the controversial take of the day is you know months gone by say it's andrew tate or, or whatever is going on and then it's like what are you actually seeing here you're just riding the wave of controversy and giving your kind of pithy sarcastic take on it mm-hmm. you're not actually showing up with anything remotely like valuable or entertaining you know and then it just becomes some kind of quasi commentator on social affairs and it's like you've, you've drifted so far from what you actually were you know just because you're riding that wave because you get that feedback from people you know they need a true friend at that point to have a you do, hard conversation with them yeah. you, you tell them straight <laughs> would you david yeah. brother out there. <laughs> <laughs> i'd really like like the post to move on <laughs> number three ryan bush um equanimity is feeling the same way about problems you faced five years ago as you do your current problems 
I had to Google equanimity before I came in here. And this is for the book I told you to read. Remember the book you love? How to design your mind. Is that Ryan Bush? That's Ryan Bush, aye. Oh, it's a great book. I love that book. Shout out book, Ryan. Yeah, didn't know his. Didn't know the author's book. name. Um, somebody break this one down for me first, and then I'll um, unpack my thoughts once okay. I've listened to you. It's from one of Chris's favourite books. So. It is. And I wrote a newsletter on it yeah. uh, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> you not get, are you not reading them on a Saturday? <laughs> Who's the newsletter for? <laughs> is it yours? It's my own newsletter. <laughs> That's fine, as long as it wasn't mine. Yeah. See that last quote about true friends? Yeah. yeah. I can't read it all, man. Come on. It's too long, man. Too long, man. There's like, only, only long, so many hours in a day where you can read. Long form copy, man. Alex <laughs> or Mosey. <laughs> Jokes. Uh, no, I, 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 well, I wrote a newsletter on it, so yeah, that's that. That, that was one of the um, quotes I highlighted from the book um, and put it into my my note database because it had that much of an effect on me. It's just having that. It's almost like being kind of at peace with um, with the problems that you have. And, and realizing that I know it kind of links to a lot of other well-known quotes, you know, like this too shall pass and things like that. Uh, but it's a little bit of more equanimity for me is more about emotional control in the moment when the things are actually happening. Because mm -hmm. I think when you say, oh, this too shall pass, it's almost like dismissing the problems. Whereas equanimity is like, I know I've got these problems right now. I understand they're real and they're pressing and they're very, you know, very apparent to me right now. But I'm going to be able to get through them. I'm going to be able to solve these problems. So that's what equanimity is for me. It's a bit, bit, bit more presence. Yeah, I, I kind of read the quote. Obviously, I've not fucking understood it correctly because I'm an idiot, but um, I've read it as just feeling the same way about your problems as like the same prob like the same problems as yeah. in you've not actually solved the problem. Oh, right. That's, no, that's no, no. What I read that as. Yeah, if, yeah, if you read it all the way through, I think you could come to the conclusion that like, say five years ago, you faced a particular problem in your relationship yeah. and you felt the same way about it five years down the line. It's less that. Yeah, that I don't see that as positive mm. though. Uh -huh. So but the positive is the fact that you... So the positive is the fact that, so, so, so I'll give you an example from, from, from me, right? So if, if you've got a problem in your life, like five years, so five years ago, mm -hmm. my business was not doing well and I was really struggling to get it off the ground. Yeah. All right. That was a problem I faced five years ago. Yeah. Five years on, not a problem. Don't ah, okay, okay, okay. You know? I thought so, like, I was thinking, you if you're five years on and this problem's still there, same, no, for no, you no, to no, just no. be calm about the no, problem. No, 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 no. Like, that makes no fucking sense. No, no, no. no. <laughs> we, we, should create, we should create more discomfort. <laughs> that doesn't, that doesn't just anything, <laughs> You'll never solve the problem, don't worry. <laughs> you know the path, Morpheus yeah. said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's how yeah. I read that. I read uh, that as if you, like, you should just relax if you've still got the same problem. No. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's fine. It's the only one that I read and I was like, I'm going to have to just sound like an idiot here. The rest of them I've got hundreds of value to deliver. Like really don't you worry. Things to don't say. you worry. Emotional yeah. control was something you spoke about on the last podcast, Chris. Yeah. Maybe the one before that as well. Uh -huh. You've been going big on that. Yeah, like, yeah I've been doing a bit of rabbit hole on it. Yeah. Why do you think it's so important? Because I think it for one, it's it's a it's such an important life skill. Um and and I also don't think it gets anywhere near the the airtime that it deserves in terms of like personal development and mindset uh, content out there. Uh, a lot of it is around, you know, other other things which are which are important. Say, like you know, like uh, discipline and, and consistency and backing yourself and all these very important things. But when you think about it, your emotions like drive so much of your behaviour. Mm -hmm. And I know all this obviously from a, a copyright and marketing background. You're trained for very early on to dial into people's emotions because that's what ultimately um, drives our decision making behaviour. But I think that on a personal level, understanding how to control your own emotions. So that starts with understanding yourself, which is always a helpful mm. thing to do. Understanding yourself a bit more. Yeah. Uh, and realizing like when you feel like certain emotions and how you can actually control them a lot. 
a lot better than you think you can. Because I think, like, in, in, again, in the book, it was a real kind of breakthrough home for me because it's like, like Ryan Bush, the author, just says, humans have been controlling their emotions for thousands of years. Like, this is a well-established fact and we yeah. act like it's not, you know? Um, and I think, I, 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 again, in my newsletter, I wrote, like, when you, how many times have you been, this is taken to the extreme to prove a point, how many times you're walking down the street and somebody's walking slowly in front of you and you're like, actually, toe poke this guy in the calf. Yeah. That's an emotion, but you don't do it, right? And I know that's taken it to the extreme, but then that shows that you do have control over an emotional impulse. <clears throat> and I feel like that applies to a, a lot of situations. Say you're under pressure at work or you're having an issue in your relationship or you're just struggling to reach a goal that you've been perhaps trying to strive for for a while. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a whole lot of negative emotions uh, going on. And if you can understand how to control your response to them, I think that's a that's a, a really really powerful life skill. Yeah, because so many people are like, "Oh, I'm an angry person," or Aye. "I uh, I always get stressed when I have to do X, Y, or Z, whatever in, yeah. insert whatever task." Mm -hmm. You've got awareness of it. You now need to do something to address that. I so that understanding why isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We just accept it though. That's, I think that's the thing when it comes to emotions. We almost accept that that's that that's the way we are. You know, and I'm like, well, because I am personal example i'm quite a, i can be quite blunt and quite direct right but i've i've learned how to not be blunt yeah not tone be it direct down in certain situations, tone down in certain yeah, situations yeah. because it's not it's, it's it's not a nice thing to do it's not it's not the the, the right thing to do it's not i it's, it's not being nice to the person whoever it is i'm talking to yeah so I know, i've I, experienced that no <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think there's there's just so much more you can control than, than you think when it comes to emotions yeah and i think having control over previous emotions that used to show up for you mm -hmm. in different circumstances is that's a real sign of personal development and progress yeah. in that regard mm -hmm. so like um if you were particularly nervous before a cold call but you're finding yourself less nervous before more cold calls or you reframe the nerves as excitement to get you ready or whatever else mm -hmm. you choose to do mm -hmm. or if you used to find yourself like like anxious before a particular um, type of presentation yeah. or like if you were hosting a 12-week peak event david not that you would get anxious but maybe one of you one of you, one of, you, one of your one of your team might get nervous before yeah. it but then you find them coming into their own and maybe leading some of the events later on during mm -hmm. the program that's like a developmental like um, almost, yeah, yeah exactly it's almost it's almost showing that they've gone through that process and that's the process of equanimity during yeah. uh, under, uh, under different circumstances 100 percent, yeah yeah, it's interesting you say it's an under-discussed area of personal yeah. development. I would, I would definitely agree. Yeah, yeah. Because I think, like, when I read it, there's, like, there's, there's like kind of five established stages of, like, mastering emotional control. And, like, the first one is, like, situational control. So it's, like, mm -hmm. if you constantly find yourself in a, in a situation that's causing you negative emotions, don't put yourself in that situation anymore. Now, the thing is, that's not always possible because if it is your job, then yes, you can go find a new job, but that's a slow process, right? That's but there are certain situations that you perhaps put yourself in through bad decisions that are causing you those negatives. So, so like, try to control your situations a lot better. I Is keep it getting angry in the taxi rank after yeah. out and end up in a fight? Yeah, don't do that. I yeah. actually think Jim this... Paradox is a dead simplified version of designing the mind. Like right. if you actually look at the concepts behind that book as well, I think yeah. it does teach you how to manage yeah. your emotions. I mean, it's, it's a very Again, it's a more of a simple con concept and you've got your mon monkey brain, you've got your chimp brain, your hu human brain, but it does, um, it covers a lot of the points in that book because it's Design in the Mind, it's called. Yeah, Design in um, the Mind, yeah. Phenomenal book, but like I actually said to you, like you gave me it and I was like, I read a chapter, I was like, this is fucking confusing. The first bit of it is when you're trying to understand is, like yeah, mental models. Yeah, yeah. Once you get into it, like I text you as soon as I'd finished it, it's like, that's one of the best books I've read for 
understanding your behaviors and also how to reframe and change certain yeah. behaviors and thoughts and emotions like or through emotions i suppose yeah. it's really just changing emotion changing behaviors through emotions number four i don't think any podcast happens really without mentioning his name andrew tate mm -hmm. having things isn't exciting getting things is exciting he's out of jail now free top g free top g <laughs> he's not actually he's under house arrest at the time he's not put out any content yet has he i've not seen i him. think there must be conditions of his yeah mm -hmm. uh, anyway having things isn't exciting getting things is exciting uh, i couldn't agree more i think i've had some big goals across the last seven years of business whether that again physique goals business goals but when i actually look at once i've achieved them i look at when i was the most excited about it and it's not it's not it's not it's not necessarily when it's the launch has happened it's when the launch is happening it's not like necessarily when you look at your physique after 12 weeks it's what you're doing to develop that physique over a 12 16 week period so um yeah and i think a lot of people with that one dopamine is obviously a good word when we're looking at like the pursuit of getting things a lot of people assume dopamine is the molecule of like achievement it's getting something, but it's actually just of wanting more, of having more. I think I've covered that in the last podcast. Yeah. I think I was balls deep in a book on dopamine the last podcast, and I just ringed off. At the same time, I had TJ Power on, who's a British neuroscientist, and he was talking about the pleasures in the pursuit. Yeah. And it's all to do with when you're pursuing, like, so if Andrew Tate's pursuing his next Bugatti, he's enjoying the pursuit of doing that. Yeah. Rather than when yeah, he actually gets the Bugatti. Of course, he, he enjoys that. And like um, we were saying before hit record, I've, I've just got a new car and i'm really enjoying the new car yeah but i was also really enjoying the process of working out whether i'd made enough money to get the new car yeah, yeah, yeah. and the work that i needed to do to close the gap and, yeah. and, and and make that happen was important one for me and this one would be like holidays for example like i've got mm. some big holidays this year and i'm like i'm buzzing for them and i'm really looking forward but i also think back to like last year when i took i took a lot of time off last year but on some of those trips i'm like oh, i'm actually itching to get back to work so I was like totally discrediting all of the six months previous where I was like excited about getting it. I got there, I had two or three days where I was super excited and I was having a great time. And then I was a bit like, okay, cool. What's next? When's my next trip? What am I doing next? I'm going back to work. Um, so definitely, yeah, the pursuit and getting things is, I mean, that is what creates the most dopamine. You don't actually get that much of a spike in dopamine. Like, well, you do when you've just achieved something, but thereafter it dissipates pretty fast in comparison to what it's at in the pursuit of something, um, which is interesting. It drops off quick, doesn't it? It's like yeah, post it post nut syndrome, isn't it? Same as that. That's true. Well, you see, well that that's <laughs> that that's probably chemically what's going on with guys. Yeah. The pursuit of achieving sexual yeah. copulation, taking that box, getting the girl to, to, to. Honestly, once you've done it, you're like, get away from me. Not well, now, not nowadays, Kirsty. But in the past, it was much more about the pursuit, wasn't it? But that was where the excitement was at, and then yeah. it happens, and you're like, oh. But that's how I was wondering how many wise. episodes it would be before we get cancelled and it appears this is it. This is the fourth time we've been on. Nah. This is the fourth thing. No, I think we're okay. safe on this ground. Yeah, right. We talked about dolphins the first time you I two said sat down. I said post nut syndrome, and what did you say? Something about copulation. Copulation. Yeah. God, we are different. No. <laughs> I was talking about designing the mind. You're like, oh, the chimp is quite good as well. <laughs> that's why I'm here. It's the dumb it yeah, down. Resident thickle. Yeah, the dumb it down. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Chris, uh -huh. having things isn't exciting. Yeah, I, I mean, I told, we actually talked about this in the in the bar before this. Like, you know, I mean, some people call it, it sounds a bit wanky, but the entrepreneur's curse. Or like, I don't see it's an entrepreneur's curse, it's just a driven person's curse. Like, yeah. if you are ambitious and driven, then you're always going to have that feeling of like, okay, what's the next goal? What's the kind of next thing? Like, so that's why kind of like, that's where things like gratitude and stuff are important, even though people kick the arse out of them, you know? Yeah. Like, but 
Uh, but yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree more. I've, I've, I've experienced very similar things, like if I've hit a milestone in, in business or even if I've bought myself like a material thing that I've had in mind for a while and then you get it and it's like, that's great. And then it's very fleeting. It's like, okay, I've just got this thing now. I don't really... What, what what what's the next thing I'm going to have? Mm-hmm. So yeah, Can yeah. I, the weight the weight again. You spoke about a car a minute ago. Like the weight on getting my car was probably more exciting than generally getting it. Getting it felt the same as getting my last car. To be uh, honest, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Largely after a day or two, I was like, yeah. The only thing I'll push back on um, <laughs> when I thought about this quote was, so for example, when you're driving your car at the moment, David, you're still probably enjoying the fact that it's that car. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't That's know how true. I don't know how long it's going to take for me to stop enjoying the car that I've got because it's a step up from the car that I had, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm, I'm not really easily pleased in all regards, but I'm easily pleased in some things. Where if if it's something that I've wanted, and it's like a significant jump for me. I'm going to notice that for a reasonable period. Yeah. Whereas if you're somebody that's maybe always had that particular thing and you've only just slightly leveled up, yeah, I think there's a smaller. Yeah, change. so I suppose it comes down to what that achievement is and how big of an achievement it is as well. I suppose. Mm. like how do you still feel in your car just now are you still buzzing with it is that uh, worn off definitely worn off aye. is I'd it aye? So. Aye, is I'd it? say so like it's a nice car but aye. it doesn't see I still like my car like my car the car I got in the that was a bit that was a, a jump up it was a big jump yeah yeah it was a big jump and I, I would say that I, obviously it's not the same as when we first got it but I still have like little moments when like I see it parts as a thing. Oh, I'm just an ungrateful cunt. So. That was really, that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. Yeah, yeah of course you can. Yeah, you <laughs> said post nut syndrome. I, I know. That's not scary. Everyone knows what it means. So. <laughs> but you, you, you still get a little yeah, buzz off the car. I, I'd say so. I would say so. Yeah, I still like enjoy driving it. I'm still looking at like have little moments. I suppose just randomly when I'm just like, oh, this is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've, 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 <laughs> I've bought things in the last little while where when I put them on or when I look at them, I'm still like pleased about it. Like, especially when I think like, and this is such a, like a, 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 a strange framework to work off, but like what would younger Colin feel if this was the case? And I do that with my physique all the time. Cause somebody yeah. said to me the other day, I was in this spot, David Lloyd and he was like, Oh mate, you're like massive. And I was like, it's like a young guy. And mm-hmm. I was like, thank you. But I don't notice that I'm that different from uh, like like uh, two years before or whatever else mm. it, it's it, it's different but i loved the process of building the physique yeah and i guess having it now i'm i'm just like quite content with it obviously yeah. i notice differences when i do something like your photo shoot last yeah. year for the 12 week peak like it's like an extra 10 percent more dialed in so it's a bit more mm-hmm. stand it stands out more so but noticing that somebody else is like all right okay that's of a significant level. i'm still happy with how i look and i think you wrote today about mm-hmm. loving how you look yeah, yeah. and that being such a a rare thing but i'm still happy with that <laughs> did you write that chris no, no i wrote that no as if he's writing something as bad as that was i need to post a bit of content today post come on yeah there was no thought work on that no uh, but it's uh, an interesting concept yeah, though. framework around i suppose and there's that that popular instagram quote that's always remember what is that actually now? No, I can't remember. Remember thinking about the things that you want that you now have. What am I trying to say? Yeah. You know what, mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you mean. Remember um, a time where you... You dreamed about the life you have. Yes. Uh, and it kind of it rings true to that. Um, and it's something that I, I probably don't do enough, like actually sit and reflect back. Like, I, I get, like I've been mega stressed the last two weeks and I've been stressed about things that I probably would love to have been stressed about three years ago. Oh, so like, that's another way problems. to like, think at it. Like, yeah, like the problems I have now, like I look at them, I'm like... Well, they are problems. They cause me the same amount of stress as problems I had three years ago, mm. but they're much more positive problems. Like I'm worrying about fitting 500 people into a ball 
like a big ball that we're throwing like that's a fucking cool problem to have but it's still a stress it's still a problem so even with like positive things i suppose positive and negatives it's good to think back or like what are the negatives in my life now in comparison to five years ago because you're always going to have shit going on in your life you're always going to have problems it's just what are those problems um and are they better problems to have because everyone has problems see I, I think that's interesting i think this might be a different take on this i think because i everything that like i've built in my business and life has been built with jill i have another person alongside me because mm-hmm. you both are well you're no longer single yeah single but you know you've built a lot of it by as a single man by yeah, yourself yeah. So I feel like maybe having a partner alongside you and building a life Help together. celebrate you, the ones. I, I, yeah. I think that is a built-in, like, gratitude feedback loop almost, you know. because you do do things. Like, you and Jill will be like, oh, we've done that launch. Why don't we go for dinner and talk about it and celebrate it? Why yeah. don't we go and take that trip? So, yeah, I yeah, suppose I get that. that. Yeah. And there's also that frame of reference where, like, when my when the business wasn't doing well, it didn't just affect me, it affected her. Mm-hmm. So I've always got that to kind of look back on and remember when, like, times were really tight and all the rest of it so you've got all those experiences together mm-hmm. so i don't know i just thought there when you said that there's like, more layers to it because yeah of there is there is so i feel like i'm kind of uh, a bit more i don't know how to say it like um you appreciate things probably a little bit more maybe yeah, yeah, I, th- yeah. I think that's it i think that's it and that's not meant in a, as, a, as an insult in any or you way, appreciate things more, for longer perhaps i do i yeah. think i appreciate things for yeah. longer because my shortcomings in my early business career didn't just affect me they mm-hmm. affected somebody else somebody who i obviously who i, I love and think the world you won't of. spend the rest of your life with, with and, life and with that endangers that if you're exactly. financially insolvent you're a less I'm, attractive i'm less man. attractive straight away and you know you do you feel you feel like a piece of shit you just feel completely worthless and you're just like i'm not contributing anything here how can i fix this so i think mm-hmm. probably that kind of time probably makes me a bit more like that's interesting know, yeah yeah I, I guess to finalize that little framework that i was thinking about is like would 17 year old Colin kill for the way that your physique looks right now and mm-hmm. you're worried about maybe not having slightly bigger calves or slightly yeah. bigger delts like in the grand scheme of things ridiculous like oh maybe you didn't buy the particular car that you wanted but imagine when you were like leaving school that you thought that you would own that car okay. you'd be like oh I'm in a pretty uh, good you, position yeah, actually yeah. um but yeah, we've, uh, the wisdom of Andrew Tate has got us to this point. So we'll, we'll <laughs> move on to top G. number five, and it's <laughs> Thomas Edison. Wank. I've not failed 10,000 times. I've successfully found 10,000 ways that will not work. Guys, a prick. Chris, why do you hate <laughs> Thomas Edison? Well, because he was, he, was a, he was just a PR guy. He was just a public, he's just a self-publicist, and he screwed over Nikola Tesla to no end. And then, you know, he, he was supposed to get the, the Nobel Prize and they said they were going to give him a joint with, with, with Tesla, yeah, I think. And, and, and he was like, nah, I'm not wanting it, nah. I read that uh, in a book recently. What book was that? Probably the 40 oh, Power. Power. Yeah, it was. Aye. And then he also said that if Tesla, I can't remember what it was, it was something to do with maybe radios. I can't remember what it was. Uh, if, if he completed this project, he would get a $50,000 bonus. And then Tesla done it in record time. And he was like, right, okay, here's a bonus. He's like, oh, you don't understand our American humor, son. Guy's a scumbag. Not a fan of Edison. That's not American humor. That's just snake not, behavior. Exactly. Yeah. When you read more about the guy, you realize like, ah, yeah, guy's a wank. So sorry for that. But, this, but, but the but, quote, but the quote is also bullshit. I don't like it. I don't know. I just I get it, but I just think it fetishizes failure, and that's I'm just not into that. Like everybody loves to talk about failure as if it's this great thing, right? And all of us around this table have failed before every person we all know everybody on the planet's failed right that's just a universal truth mm. but see this holding it up as some badge of honor 
I just think it sets this unrealistic standard for a lot of people of how you're supposed to feel when you feel because you feel shit when you feel. Yeah. Because uh, if you don't feel shit when you feel, you're not chasing anything worthwhile. Simple as that. You know, like I like um, earlier, like I played rugby earlier this season. We lost a game that we should have won. We failed, right? We failed. I did not play well. I did not help my team. I did not feel good about that at all until I got back on the park the next week and we won. But did you so, successfully find one thing that did not work whilst playing rugby? That's the back end of his quote. Okay. Yeah. Aye, aye, that's the, that's the, yeah. I get what it's saying. I get, I get, yeah. I, I, do, I do get that. Like I've successfully found like 10,000 ways that will not work, but, and maybe I'm being too like literal here, mm-hmm. but I'm just like, yeah, maybe, maybe that's just not working, mate. Maybe that's just, you know, maybe you should just try something else. Cause I don't know. I just, I just don't like the fit that the, the, the kind of, the framing of failure is something that's, you know, inherently good and that you should just be like, oh, great, I failed, right, okay, what next? You know? It's talked about all the time and I think that's because previously, and this is similar to a lot of things that we've kind of moved the goalposts on in recent years, it, failure was such a bad thing that it was mm. it was, it was, was devastating. It was it was maybe end, uh, like final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And failure's not final is actually a, a useful quote. 100%. But nowadays, like you say, it's fetishized to an extent where people are always wanting to talk about their failures maybe not talk about the back end of this which is i found out that didn't work right what's next like i'm an extremely practical person mm-hmm. I, I just had an episode on um sunday there it went out it's actually one of your clients david um ellie she's a dating coach in dubai um ellie from 10 oh shit yeah yeah um she's not my client she well, worked with she, ntn she worked nah, with NTN. she's um yeah anyway she things that things pal oh, yeah, 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 so Ellie is extremely like spiritual and helps a lot of women. And I was thinking like throughout the conversation, I kept asking her, okay, but what, what next? Like, yeah. what, what do you do after you do this particular thing? And it was great because there was steps, but she's just not used to verbalizing them to somebody like me, who's wired, like in terms of like action orientated. And, and she, and after the call, she was like, oh, that was like fun to actually explore my framework in like a, mm. like an action based plan way. And I certainly think that when people are maybe talking about failure all the time or like this went wrong and that went wrong, would we not much rather we move forward from there and we talked about, yes, that didn't work, but I found 10,000 ways that, that do work because mm-hmm. he's just like, oh, 10,000 ways that do, will, will not work. Yeah. Yeah. Thomas is at it. Chris. I think he's at it. I think he is. I think it's just one of those, like, you know, if you fail, if you're getting repeated failures, that's a sign to me, like, again, to change course, mm-hmm. you know, like, I think I've said before, like I tried to run Facebook ads as my first kind of digital marketing venture and I was absolutely hopeless at them. And this is when they were really easy to run, by the way. So I was really bad. And um and yeah, and I was like, well, this clearly isn't my thing. So then I moved on to to like copywriting. And then I was like, okay, I'm actually good at this. Like, so that's the difference. I'm good at this, so I can then make a make something of it. So yeah, I just think he's at it. Cause it's also that like the other one, Michael Jordan. I missed like nine thousand shots in my career and i'm just like one you're not michael jordan if you're posting that quote chances are you're an absolute wet wipe you're not michael jordan like you've got no hope of being anything close to michael jordan right the guy's a billionaire six-time nba champion an absolute cultural icon across the world he has no relevance to you whatsoever he's also probably wired in a different way from that person so i spoke to keith campbell on the podcast who's a professional on narcissism and he was talking about jordan and he said he is the archetypal example of a successful 
grandiose narcissist yeah. because he's so successful his teammates and his people around him were willing to put up with his narcissism yeah, and yeah, build yeah. the project around him yeah. to move forward so they had rodman in defense they had pippen that would yeah, pass him the yeah, ball yeah, yeah. and these guys were built for jordan to score the baskets to win the games and they they just had to accept that yeah. whereas like you say maybe the people sharing that your infrastructure is not yeah. going to be built perfectly around you and that's been shown that's been shown by the fact he's now um obviously the owner of carolina is that right carolina uh can't remember their, their, their uh, the nba team but anyway he's the owner and they're, they're awful yeah, yeah because again it's not about him he's he's the owner he's trying to build obviously he's responsible for building a culture and building a team there's a story about him when they drafted some new guy and the, the new guy was kind of having a bit of laughing and a joke with him and then michael jordan just like took him one on one and absolutely smoked him and the guy never hard, hardly played again because he was just like, michael jordan was like 57 and he just Joseph. smoked this young guy on the court in front no, of everyone like Barkley, he totally just Ended his friendship with because he criticised that team as well. He criticised them for not being able to do well with that team, and he's like, "Fuck you." Yeah, there's <laughs> loads of stories yeah, about yeah. that. He's wired, of... he's wired differently, so sharing his quote and his and trying to emulate his mindset is probably not helpful. Yeah, to most people, anyone that watched that documentary realised he's an outlier. Absolutely, hundred percent. Because there's a really good book, by the way, that I think a lot of your audience love. It's called "The Cost of These Dreams." It's sports stories by written by a guy who wrote for ESPN for years, and the stories are incredible. It's just actually a good book on life not just about this obviously through the lens of sport and michael jordan's one of the one, one of the stories in it and but not about him his playing career him now and the insights the guy gets in here just like oh, oh man this guy's an absolute fucking psycho a bit sore yeah let's move on to herman hess learn what is taken seriously and laugh at the rest i like that i'd say i do this pretty well to be honest you do I have two or three areas in my life that i take seriously and the rest of it I do as well. Just a fucking idiot. So yeah. you're you're really good at being jovial about stuff that just doesn't matter, David. Yeah, I think the the big thing is there's very few things that matter that much. And again, like we're like even regardless of what you do with your life. In fact, again, Hormozzi speaks about this a lot. Nobody's gonna remember it after 30, 40 years. Maybe if you do something phenomenal, hundred years. Maybe if you do something unbelievable, five hundred years. But after that, nobody's gonna remember anyway. So I think life's too short to really take everything seriously like yeah you need to have a plan you need to make goals you need to have aspirations you need to do things but in all honesty like nothing lasts forever either so have a bit of a laugh whilst you're here i found this quote quite helpful because i can be quite a serious person you both know this but i also was just like picking things where i was like you know what i can't get quote unquote knickers in a twist over this yeah. like i can't lose the head or lose the rag over this it's just ludicrous like mm. i just have to laugh at it like you can go so far down the rabbit hole on particular issues where you get yourself like so pent up. Yeah. Like one of the ones I've seen loads talked about at the moment is like the tap water. Oh, like it's got too much fluoride in it or something like that. And it's like causing us problems. And I'm thinking like- In Scotland, if, best tap uh, water ever. Yeah, but uh, it's, it's slightly different in England. They, they put they, they put mean, something in it that we don't put in it or something like that. Right. I don't know. It's it's definitely tastes like harder mm -hmm. down south. I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, okay. You were in London uh, last week and you can tell a difference in the water. I, sure. I actually don't drink water. In, I only drink water in the UK in Scotland just a weird thing that my mom's always like oh just drink scottish tap water don't drink english tap water i've never drank english tap water that's so funny i thought that was like normal <laughs> what did you drink when you're down there i'm just bottles, bottles of water yeah, yeah. and why london especially london, london, london's, 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 london's water is meant aye. to be pure bad london, london, yeah just wine london water's honking now <laughs> it is it's, it's minging i turn it into it it's minging but i i mean i don't know why you're getting your shell wound off about that but aye. you can you can go down the rabbit hole and so much stuff and other times you just have to like laugh it yeah. off otherwise like what burden would you have to carry me and chris i'll need to tell you that story off camera um but me and chris were speaking about something at the part at, at the bar uh, a minute ago and it was actually something quite seriously that negatively affected my business like it was it was 
bad somebody critiquing critiquing something to be fair it wasn't great it wasn't a good feeling but um there's a story off the back but yeah like, i was absolutely raging about it and then i was like you know what i can't i can't do anything about this now i had to just laugh at it it was so ridiculous that i just had to laugh at it so even when i think things are things maybe are necessarily like quite serious things I think sometimes if there's fuck all that you can do about it, if you can't negative, if you can't positively change that situation, sometimes the best thing is to just humor. like yeah, humor, laugh about it, like make a joke of it. I don't know how many people listen to this will have experienced traveling from Glasgow to Carlisle and South. Were you on the train when you went down with Joe? Or did you fly? Uh, I've been on the train down there, down that thing was before. Recently? Yeah. Uh, not recently, no. Okay, no, so over the years. last two months. There's been works on the line between Glasgow and Carlisle, right. which have meant that for a full month it was closed. So there was no direct train between Glasgow and Carlisle. You had to get a bus Brilliant. or go across to Edinburgh and then down. Currently, so when I go to Manchester tomorrow, I will get the train from Glasgow to Carlisle, but it will go to Carstairs, which is kind of like a bit south. It will then stop. The driver will change ends and the train will go backwards, kind of towards Edinburgh and then down. It takes two hours to go from Glasgow to Carlisle at the moment on the train. So it adds an hour, a full hour yeah. to your journey. Now, I was initially, when I saw this, was like, well like, done. Yeah, like like an extra hour is, is important because that's an extra hour meeting. That's an extra mm -hmm. hour mm -hmm. like use of my time. Or I have to get up an hour earlier to make like a particular meeting that I normally go to when I'm down yeah. south. But now I just laugh because it's just the ludicrous nature of our infrastructure in the UK. In mm -hmm. particular, Scottish Scottish railways. Mm -hmm. Like you just have to laugh because if you didn't, you like if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. But that is actually going back, I suppose, to point three to an extent on you learning how to master your emotions and for it to not like affect you. Because for most people that can't master their emotions, that would massively affect you. So I think being able to use humor to override shitty situations like that is like super flight useful. delays, train yeah. delays. Like I like definitely in the past, like I would be like sweating and angry yeah. but like you just have to be like what are you yeah. gonna do about it like like yeah just yeah just sweating on a hot <laughs> train just just furious the air cons off <laughs> but yeah I, I certainly think that helps and uh, both chris and i shared to our stories today the guy that was protesting at the snooker uh, he, he jumped on the table wait, wait. and opened up like this kind of so, die didn't like, he some sort of destruction like now funnily enough i actually don't know what he was protesting i can bet it'd be like climate crisis just stop oil pill. stop the oil just yeah. no just stop oil mate yeah just stop it just stop it just stop oil yeah did you see Dead that easy. video of them protesting the oil and the it was, it was, but does it not make it you laugh vegetable oil uh, it's vegetable oil. but does it not make you laugh <laughs> Sorry. Like, uh, so so like it makes me a bit angry if it was like my shop or my commute or uh, uh, i was at the snooker and they got disrupted yeah, yeah. but the thing is i just find it funny because i think these people are completely ill-informed for one and like captured by a particular ideology that i just yeah. cannot agree with and I just have to laugh because if if you really took it seriously and you looked into the fact that a lot of these people come from like hyper privileged backgrounds and they have like almost this luxury belief where they can afford to like not work and just chase down like this yeah. cause that they've they've, they've 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 gone after. But ultimately, when you see them just being ridiculous and like see the Grand National at the weekend where the guy was like jumping into the fence and stuff yeah. and the security guard like bopped him, I was like, that's so funny. But it actually spooked the horses. So if you were like a really horsey person, yeah, you'd maybe be like angry that they'd maybe like knock the horses out of their like cam before a race which mm. they need to be you know mm. otherwise they're actually going to be potentially at more harm which was the whole thing that they were protesting in the first place uh, we all went yeah just a side note 
Did you have a horsey person in your school, in your year at school? Everybody had a horsey person in your year at school. I had a horsey, even I horsey did person in my company. Even I did now. And, and, <laughs> and I went to school and come on Alton, we had a horsey person. So you really? must have had one. I had a girl in my school who's also now doing the 12-week peak. Used to come in here. So I wonder if she'll listen to this, but she used to actually just behave like a horse. Like she used to, <laughs> she used to just Sorry, ga- gallop around like neighing. Anyway, it'd be good for getting, your, ste- be good for getting your steps. She'll be like, oh no, he remembers that. Um, Don't say her name, that's yeah, good. I won't say her name. Um, but I, tell you, I didn't know expect that. Sorry, that was just that. <laughs> David. <laughs> David's had invisible and he's just here and for a while. Honestly, <laughs> he's at it. <laughs> um, uh, but learn what's to be taken seriously and dis- disregard the rest. It's a oh, great yeah. tool for actually assigning your emotional energy where it counts. Yeah, 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 I like that. I think. See, I read that the way you guys did, but also think like you know, and you want like this. You, your your man Harmozy. Like this is one of the places where it, it loses me. Um, you know, I remember him saying stuff like, you know, if you're not talking about business or getting somewhere, I don't want to talk to you. Which, by the way, fair play, crack on. That's that's what you want to talk about. But like, I feel like sometimes people that are like, say, driven, ambitious, run their own business, whatever it is, they carry that same energy into every single conversation or every single situation that mm-hmm. they're in, and it's just like, gonna relax, mate. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's it's okay. Like, you you don't not everything needs to be a discussion about you know growing your business or whatever mindset book you're reading sometimes yeah. you can just shoot the shit and just talk man to your pals like you know and just, and, just, and just have a laugh <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's where i read it you know it's just like sometimes you just gotta just be silly you just yeah. have a laugh man yeah agreed know? agreed number seven is from buddha holding Ooh. on to anger is like grasping a hot coal with the intent of throwing it at someone else you are the one who gets burned um I disagree because I think there's a lot of value in anger, mm-hmm. in all honesty, if it's channeled and it's utilised in the right way. And again, it's one of those ones, if you learn from it, it's it's something that I draw up on, actually, when I'm feeling unmotivated. Like, I think about times and maybe I've been burned, well, I have been burned in business at some point. So sometimes if I'm like, oh, do you know what, I can't be bothered in things today. And I'm like, I think about the things that have maybe angered me in the past. It can actually be a strong, strong motivator. And it's not, it's not necessarily something that I need to let go of. I don't think it'll improve my life. I actually think it's good having a level of anger. I think it can grant you a level of motivation when you recall back how something made you feel. And it's the same a lot of people, you know, recall back a positive emotion that you had and you'll start feeling positive. Sometimes I think of times that have made me fucking really angry and it motivates me to do something about a particular situation. So I get it, like being angry and being bitter about something, it's something, well, I mean, it, it can take away a lot from your life as well. Definitely to counter to that, but there can be positive positives to having a level of anger. If you um, can have enough emotional control over when yeah. you utilize that anger, I would agree. I think spite combined yeah. with anger is a wonderful driver. Like I like I remember when I first kind of like saw like improvements in my physique and I was training at like the kind of local council gym and I had like decent arms and like like maybe a bit of a chest, but I had no legs. Yeah. And I remember there was like two guys said to a guy in a night out about me or oh, it's all good he can looks fine in a vest but he's got no legs and i remember being angry about it yeah. and i used to go in and train and be like i'll fucking show them yeah. like watch this yeah. i used to like kill myself on the happened. smith machine and they, they they're all right now <laughs> <laughs> nah, they, uh, no, they, uh, it pushed me to push myself harder 100%. by tapping into that but see when i was like walking around like during the working day i wasn't like fuming about yeah, these guys yeah, saying come yeah, to my legs yeah. but when it was time to train legs twice a week i put on the same eminem playlist it's i put my hood up you and can I drop on into it. Ah, of course. it's a negative experience that you can drop on it's a, co- a negative comment like i think that's such but a big it thing burn- it, I don't, so in that regard it wasn't burning me but see if somebody had like angered me and i was carrying it all day every day yeah, yeah. like awful because yeah. then you're just gonna be you're gonna be dreadful to be around yeah. for the people who haven't angered you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I, 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 I feel the same. I feel like when you're talking about using anger, you, obviously, like, in physical things, it's always easy to draw loads of references. Like, like you just said there, like, you use it in a physical way that like you go and you train hard. Like, I felt the same way, like, playing certain teams at rugby and stuff like that, teams you don't like. Wayside um, you know, teams. You know, you 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 do get a, an element of anger in you before you go and play, and it it does it does help. Um, and they're all all the famous stories about like you know Tom Brady, you know how he used anger. And there's loads of famous examples of people using anger to their own advantage. But I, I think like what that quote's getting at for me is like when it says like holding on to it. And it's like yeah, that's that's not good, is it? If you're just mm-hmm. holding on to anger towards like a certain person or you know a certain situation in your past then yeah rather than drawing from it yeah yeah yeah, i think that again that just turns people into like really bitter they can turn them into victims and just like woe is me martyr type people who are just the worst people to be around you know and i think that can that can happen to people without them actually realizing it Mm -hmm. because they're not resolving their anger agreed number eight courage is resistance to fear mastery of fear not absence of fear and that's mark quain mark twain sorry yes totally agree I think that's bang on. Do you know that uh, Chael Sonnen talked about this recently? He was on Andrew Schultz's podcast. And he's that was hilarious. So good, wasn't it? He's, so bro, he's funny, he is tremendous. But yeah. he spoke about how, how terrified he was. And if, uh, of before, John Jones, wasn't it? Before fights. Yeah. Uh, no, but before fights, he's like, he's like I was apps. And I recently listened to uh, Brendan Schaub was on my first million podcast with like, uh, that Sam Parr guy. Yeah. And he said the same thing. I've heard Michael Bisping say the same thing. So these are all UFC fighters. But they've all said, like, oh, absolutely terrifying John Jones said that about Rampage Jackson that's Uh, what I'm thinking of but uh, yeah that's (laughs) probably the most feared man on earth John Jones the best heavyweight fighter if not fighter ever and he still uses fear as like a positive in a a sense Uh, resistance and mastery like that's great like of course it's not absent if it was absent there's probably something you're some sort of of psychopath yeah yeah because I remember reading an article once and it was talking about they'd done a study on Navy SEALs uh, who were at uh, an outpost in Afghanistan, but they were there with regular infantry. And because they were like quite far out the outpost, they would be the first point of contact for any any attack from from the Taliban or whatever. And they were monitoring like different things. And one of the things they were monitoring was like their heart rate and stuff. And when nothing was happening, the Navy SEAL's heart rate was through the roof. Through the roof. They were just like, like wired. Mm. As soon as word came in about an attack, their heart rate dropped. And the regular infantry's heart rate went up, so it's almost like a flip. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't doubt the Navy SEALs were still afraid to a certain degree, but they were obviously. My take on it was they were channeling it in the right way. They're like, ah, right, time to go to work now, you know. And they used that, and it actually brought their heart rate down, and they were so much more clear and focused. I remember yeah. reading that and thinking that is mad, you know. That is be, that's like, mastery and resistance to totally, fear. isn't it? I mean, what else can it be? I mean, because a natural response is, well, there's somebody coming over that hill that wants to shoot you in the head. Like, if you're not scared of that, I don't. Like, there, there is genuinely something wrong with you, and they wouldn't be wouldn't pass the the psychological test mm-hmm. to be in the army if there was something genuinely wrong with them. If they were like, oh, I don't think so anyway. But yeah, that's wild, isn't it? Yeah, wild. But yeah, I I, I love that quote because I think people sometimes assume that I should stop being scared of particular things, but there should always be an element of fear about some of the stuff, particularly if it's like a stretching. Yeah. go or something that's new like uh, like you're running this ball you've run events before but yeah. there should be an element of fear like oh what happens if this doesn't work out what happens if this doesn't yeah. work out but you need to master that in order to make the event happen to a successful yeah. conclusion oh, you were looking at me I thought you were going to no, say no, 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 Chris no. is just looking forward to the ball I can't wait he's not thinking <laughs> how many people drink jokes, will come up jokes. and remark how big you are Chris 
I'm hoping oh, at least double five. Figures, I'm, double, I'm, double. I'm hoping at least five. I'm not going to lie because that makes my that makes my day every, every single time I meet somebody from the, from the online world and they yeah. see me in person. They're like, oh, "You're massive, mate." <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Yes. <laughs> Number nine, Leo Tolstoy, yep. and he said the two most powerful warriors are patience and time. I actually recorded a video on this, not using that quote because I'm I'm not as you know intelligent, but um, I was chatting about how a lot of coaches say the they always say trust the process trust the process and it, it basically translates as be patient and like you know continue doing as is but trust the process is fine until you realize that the process that you're doing is not actually like working um so like you've actually made a note there saying like what about the quality of um where are we about about the quality of of what you're putting in like yeah. the quality of work so from my reference looking at dieting or looking at training like being patient and spending more time on 2,000 calories and 12,000 steps, that's fine. Any coach can tell you, you know, be more patient with that, but it might just be too many calories. It might not be enough movement. Like there's being patient and there's, you know, utilizing time, but there's also having an element of like, well, is this working? If not, I need to change something. Something needs to change rather than just trusting the process or being patient. I see this in both your businesses. Like yeah. if you just kept doing the same things that you were doing three years ago and you just you were patient and put in the time yeah you'd probably still get similar results yeah but you've continued to upscale and improve and like if i relate it to the podcast we're 184 episodes in or whatever when yeah. this comes out if i just kept doing the same stuff the whole time yes there would be an element of growth but not the growth that we've seen because i've indexed on the quality yeah. we have more studio podcasts now the the quality audio is great the fault the video is great we do short form clips like i ask hopefully better questions i bring more insights myself to the and, and i get better guests mm -hmm. like the if i just consistently put in the time and the patience and that was the only two metrics that i optimized for i, I don't think you would see the results yeah mm. i think for me that comes back to that other quote which is was it uh, patience with results and patience with actions so i think like what you're saying there about you know uh, and, and yourself calling about like the, the podcast or getting in shape um having patience like uh, having patience in, in in time with whatever your end result is spot Love on that. but be impatient with the quality of it and the actual yeah. methods you're using you know so if your goal is to excuse me get in shape right that's your end goal you've yeah. got to be patient with that but are 2000 calories and 12,000 steps not working yeah you need to, need to change something you need to if you've given it enough time you need to change something don't just stick to that blindly you know I'm always referred to as the most impatient human being. Like everyone, it's, it's probably the most patience. negative, like word that people use to describe me. Well, there's a lot of negative words, but that's that's one of them. Um, impatient. That's quite interesting because, like, I am impatient about day to day tasks. But see, in all honesty, like in the grand scheme, I'm pretty patient. Like the goals that I want to achieve, I know that I'm not achieving them next week. I know that I'm not achieving them no, next I'd, year. I would double down on that. Yeah. Having worked with you from pretty much day one yeah. MTN, I would say that you've always been patient with long, you've, yeah. I've never, we've, we've never done like a launch together or anything like that where you've just been like, oh, you know, you've been going yeah. off the wall. You, even ones that have done great, ones that maybe haven't done quite as well or yeah. hit the targets that we set, you've never been remotely uh, Yeah, I don't, I don't have, by it. I think I've got a good level of, I think I've got a terrible level of immediate patience and a great level of long-term patience. Mm. Like I'm pretty patient with the stuff that I know I'm, because I think that also comes down to like confidence and knowing that I'm going to achieve what I've set out to achieve in a longer time horizon than most people probably give things. Um, but yeah, I, I like that a lot. Yeah. Play long-term games, can't lose. Yeah. Number 10, Brian Tracy. If you have to eat two frogs, eat the ugliest one first. Hmm. So well, I my top doing, shots first. Yeah. So Brian Tracy is an is a 
author, mostly about time management. And I think he's in, this is the whole eat the hard thing first. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have to eat two frogs, eat the ugliest one first. And from a time management perspective, that should free up bandwidth because you're focusing your mm-hmm. most mm-hmm. of the time at the start. So there's two schools of thought of this, and I fall into both at different times. And I've actually spoken to Chris about this before, probably quite a long time ago now. Sometimes at the start of your day, when you have the most bandwidth, the most freedom, the least stress, you should tackle the thing that's going to move you furthest, yeah. um, quickest, and like do the most difficult thing, whether that's sitting down to write and engage with your um, like what you're wanting to type out before you've consumed lots of social media or had lots of conversations yeah. or or maybe been like distracted or you've opened your emails and found that shit I'm gonna have to do these urgent but not important tasks. Yeah. But then I spoke to Chris about this and this uh, one that we'll see if you remember this, Chris, about sometimes trying to start on something that can give you momentum. Mm. So you don't always have to go in. So say say yeah. say David's number one task for the day that's the most important thing is really daunting and it's writing something that's going to take you a long period of time or having it or building a strategy out that's going to be really important you might not feel up to that immediately and i've seen this in your day design before yeah. as well david sometimes do things that give you some sort of momentum to the day to be like right i'm i'm alive and kicking i'm moving now maybe i've warmed up to do this hard task if it's not immediately or likely to happen for you yeah yeah i think sometimes you need that quick one i think like i cover this quite a lot with clients in the sense of like you know maybe you don't worry about the gym it's fine but sometimes doing just one and it's actually doing you know, it this relates back to you know the quote about making your bed in the morning it's gonna you know make your make your day sometimes that is the, the small one I don't, I, I don't know how relevant making your bed is but sometimes you do need that small one to kind of like spur on the rest of your day my other kind of thought on that quote is it totally depends on where you have the most energy as well because i think all three of us are way more productive in the mornings than evenings maybe yes i, I would say so like i definitely am like at my cutoff time like i don't do anything productive after 5 p.m that's why i can't speak right now but um, so <laughs> it's getting late it's uh, but for me that's fine like maybe doing the hard thing like that's fine i'm productive first thing in the morning for a lot of people like they aren't creative they aren't productive until later in the day them doing a hard thing first thing in the morning is going to lead to that thing getting done with minimal i suppose energy in comparison to doing a later stage so i think with that when you need to realize like when are you most productive and maybe focus on that when you're doing the hard thing but also i like what you said about well maybe you need to do the easy thing first to give you that kind of momentum and spur you on Mm. so you were posting the other day that you were having an unproductive period so you're just like right i'm just going to go and train yeah because at least that's something that i know i need to do today yeah and then after the training session you're maybe right okay i've served myself now it's time to do the work or it might be that like I know that I need to write this presentation, but if I answer these emails and I feel like they're off my list, maybe I'll feel like I'm ready to do the thing. Mm-hmm. Now, now, don't get me wrong, you can get stuck in a habit loop of doing like shitty, easy little tasks to just box them off and feel like you're doing something. Yeah. But there's other times where you need to do that in order to get to the big thing. But there's there's two skills of thought, as I said, and you can fall into both at different times. Yeah, I feel like for me, because I've tried both and like, I probably fall more into the the second camp where like do something and get a quick win, um, because I found like if I was waking up and trying to tackle like a VSL script or a long form sales page, I was just like it was, it was actually quite intimidating, you know. And sometimes you'd you'd wake up and you'd be like uh, dragging your feet out of bed because you know what's coming. Mm-hmm. That's not how you want to start your day. So, but but in terms of like picking the the small tasks, you have to be very careful about what you select because, like you said, they can easily lead to you going down a rabbit hole. So like. I would never pick, I try to pick a easier version of the big, of the ugliest frog. 
<laughs> that I'm trying to eat. So like if I've got, like stick with the sales page example, if I've got to write a long form sales page, I'm like, okay, I'll write my own social captions in a Google Doc because mm-hmm. I can bang them out, no problem. There's no resistance there. I just fire it into a Google Doc, no worries. It's only, you know, 500 words or whatever. Um, and then that means I've I've written something and it's closely related to what I'm going on to do. So it's almost like it's a warm-up. Warm That's what it is. It's a warm-up, but a warm-up's not answering emails or going on to my client's Slack or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's closely related to what I'm doing. I suppose the fitness example, see, you, you, you know what, you're just not a morning trainer. You just can't do it. You've probably got to walk. You probably get up at the same time. Yeah. You probably go to walk, and then maybe you can either train after that, or you can train in the afternoon on, on your lunch because you've got your kind of fitness related thing in early doors. So yeah, yeah. If, if I look at like client check ins again, I'll just relate it to fitness examples because I know a lot of people are coaches yeah. that listen to this as well. But like if I look at like online check ins, it takes me about ninety minutes, so it's like quite a bigish work block. It's like ninety minutes of my day. I tend to start with the client check ins that are a little bit easier for me, but also because it gets me into a frame of mind for when I have a more challenging client that I need to give more advice to. It's sometimes easier once you've got some of those quick wins in. So yeah, I think I probably gear more towards like, I will rarely start my day with the worst thing. The worst thing in my work week is generally like looking at finances. I just don't enjoy it. It's not something that I particularly have any enjoyment in. I never start my day with that because I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd get out of bed if I knew, if I, knew I was doing that. So yeah. sometimes That's actually placing, placing things and Aye. being smart about where you're putting them is, is uh, useful. Yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, that's his whole philosophy. Eat, eat the frog is his kind of like yeah. mantra. Um, I think that might actually be the, what the book's called. Number 11, Stephen Bartlett. Maybe you've always been happy, but the world, social media and external comparisons have convinced you that you can't possibly be. People have always been unhappy. I think everyone thinks social media has made people unhappy. I don't think social media has made people any more unhappy than they ever have been. Honestly, like, there's been a lot worse fucking things in the world that people were unhappy about. Like, I don't know, it really annoys me how much people emphasize on social media leading to bad mental health and things like that. People fought in wars, like, 100 years ago in this country. You don't think they were much more unhappy than you seeing something that's upset you on fucking Instagram? my thoughts that yeah there's i think there's a lot to be said for that in terms of perspective and i do i i, I don't like that social media is demonized as the the be on the end of for yeah. absolutely everything because while it's one variable that's changed it's not the only variable that's changed yeah. like whenever i make a change to my routine or my lifestyle it's normally like one or two things and i can assign what the effect of that was so like if we look at our lives from when we were in secondary school through to now there's been lots of things beyond just social media that have changed about our lifestyles that would impact how we feel so yeah. I, th- I think it's like you say it's a bit disingenuous that it's the it's the only thing that's that's difficult and that whole comparison piece as well and, and one of the phrases we used the last time was that comparison's not necessarily the thief of, thief of joy yeah. all, uh, mm-hmm. uh, at all times and um, in fact it can be like a, a motivator or it can be like a, a an opportunity to compare yourself and stimulate yourself yeah. in, in in a better way so i do think that as per a lot of Stephen Bartlett's content it's aimed at the maybe what you would call the midwit mm-hmm. um who is quite happy to have a very simple solution that oh social media and external comparisons have convinced you you can't be happy yeah i think i've covered sorry i think one of the most powerful things that i've learned and i covered this again in the last podcast was how like you're just you're meant to feel unhappy like it's a, an emotion that you're meant to feel and i think that was quite a freeing thing for me like i, 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 I definitely did cover this last time but it was a freeing emotion because I didn't have any guilt around feeling unhappy. I was like, oh, well, I'm meant to feel unhappy from time to time. And again, it's something to compare being happy to. You're never going to, 
you're never going to feel truly happy if you haven't felt a level of unhappiness to compare it to. So again, you need these comparisons in life in all honesty. Also, do you know what I think? Before you've logged into social media, you would know that if you were feeling unhappy. So yeah. like he's like, maybe you've always been happy, but the world social media and its internal comparisons convinced that you can't possibly be. Yeah. No, like before I open my app, I probably know what my mood state is. There's very few things that would make me unhappy based on, the only thing that i can imagine that would make me unhappy based on social media is if i went on and everyone's tarnishing me saying that i'm a you know a beast or something yeah something something that's like something unrecoverable <laughs> from yeah something that's unrecoverable you know what i mean from, like yeah, slandering yeah, uh, me or something but like yeah other than that i mean again I, I, I suppose people are more sensitive to certain things than maybe i am but um there's very few things that i could imagine seeing on social media that really truly upset me Chris, Personally. are we allowed to ask you about this, What man? does that even mean, that quote? Like, honestly, what does that even... I can't even begin to ascribe any meaning to that. Like, it's just pithy nonsense, isn't it? I mean, maybe you've always been happy. You love Stephen Barlett. Oh, mate, honestly. Again, Do you know what? He's, that... he's, got, he's got an incredible show because of the quality of the guests he has on the yeah, set. 100%. He's got, he asks some good questions at times. Yeah. However, can't the challenge is he is now optimizing for short form clickbait nonsense but like see these guys that are coming on saying calories aren't real and stuff like that dweebs really bad really bad that's have you got a lot of backlash off that one eh? so you should do you know whose comment section got a lot of backlash chris williamson when he was talking about um dating dynamics and chris responded saying i've angered fiat 500 instagram (laughs) and i was (laughs) howling because like i was saying a lot of backlash content is aimed at the kind of midwit like easy explanations that's fiat 500 instagram they're like Oh my god, life's 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 so hard. See, social media's ruining my life. Well, 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 yeah. spending eight hours a day on yeah, Instagram and TikTok. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. But see that, like again, that is to me just saying, like, yeah, everything's conspiring against you. You're the victim here. Like, maybe you've always been, happy, but the world, social media, and external comparisons, like nobody cares about you, mate. Nobody cares. Like the world's not conspiring against you. Like the world is what you make of it. It's your interpretation. Right, it's, it's, it's what it's that's how, quite freeing as well. Like David said, exactly. Like, so in the same stop. way you recognise you can be unhappy at times yeah. and happy at others. Exactly. Nobody cares. So cl- either clean up your feed, stop using social media as much if it's really affecting you that much, which is probably not. There's probably something else in your actual real yeah. life that is that is not going well, and you're just ascribing it to the fact that like, yeah. oh, I've seen this thing on you know Instagram and it really triggered me and upset me. Is it really, or is it because you're maybe in a dead end job, or your relationship is toxic, mm-hmm. or you've got shitty friends, or you're out of shape, you know, or you're just a state, and you need to clean yourself up? It's not just social you know? media. There's wider things. Exactly. That's that's maybe you look like a bag of custard. A sock filled with custard. <laughs> so as, that was what you said. As Mike, as, yeah. uh, as, uh, Mike Harrison would say from yeah. Biceps and Banter. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, Fucking hopeless. Jesus. Anyway, number twelve. Somebody you like a lot better, Chris. This guy, Robert Green. My we, man. Li- we like Robert Green a lot better. He's the yeah. man. Yeah. He said, "Detach from people's shifting emotions, so you're not caught up with in the process. Focus on their actions, which are generally more consistent." Love this. I submitted this one. Louder than words, don't they? That's, that's it. But it's, I think, see, for me, see, so see, I, I don't know about you, but working with working with clients like the way that we do, like business to business, like they're business owners so they're up and down a lot you know and uh, uh, some of our clients are like you know running pretty large companies and there's a lot on the line and they're pushing for some pretty pretty big goals and i used to be like i used to be quite bad for reading into like how they were on zoom calls and you know i could be like oh maybe they're not very happy with their work maybe they're you know they're wanting x y and z from us and we're not delivering but then when i took a step back and actually looked at their actions and i just be like yeah they're completely happy with everything we're doing there's no issues here whatsoever 
Um, so I think that's why that quote in particular um, spoke to me. Obviously, you can apply it to your personal life as well, but in my work life, that's when it particularly hit home for me because I was looking too much into things that I don't know how somebody's feeling. For all I know, you could one of you could be you know fucking clinically depressed. I don't I don't know how you're feeling. I can't tell what what you know what your emotions are, but I could just look at your actions instead. And I mm. think that's probably a much healthier way of going about it rather than trying to guess how somebody's feeling, you know? I like, I, I like that a lot. And one of the things that stood out to me as well is like also sometimes you see how people verbalize and present themselves, mm. but know them by their deeds. So mm. in the same way that, of course, you could say like a client, like maybe was a bit antsy on that Zoom call, like are they unhappy with my service? It's quite likely they maybe had a bad Zoom call the one before it and they're bringing taking yeah, it out on exactly. you. But also you see people like, oh, maybe paint this picture as like a very virtuous, charitable, like helpful person, but then their actions are completely contrary to that. And then like, mm. you see other people that may be like, like what, if you're going to rant about Stephen Bartlett, I'm going to rant about Lewis Hamilton because he's like this big climate crisis advocate. And yet he literally drives fast cars around the racetrack for a living and yeah. flies these private jets all over the world. And that for me, is kind of like know people by their deeds rather than like their their words and their emotions yeah. and how they present themselves and i think that's a helpful way and i think robert green in terms of mastery paints a really good way forward oh, for yeah. us to yeah, analyze yeah, people and actually understand what's going on rather than just the veneer that we're presented with yeah yeah totally agree, totally agree. you've I'll read robert green i'm currently reading it again actually i realized i only had the concise 48 laws of power oh of course you of course which is a mm -hmm. four page version <laughs> no, um the actual good, 48 laws like? of power is fucking massive i know Fast book, well. um, really yeah i actually quite like that you can just like you don't need to read it cover to cover you can just yeah, pick you can some, dip it in it, you? some of them pick a lot again yeah pick yeah. a lot and read them because some of them again might not apply to your current state of mind which yeah, i think is super yeah, interesting absolutely. but yeah great book 48 i think once you read through it once so i've read it i've i've cover read, cover. I've read it three times but like i've read it twice cover to cover the third time i just kind of i would say i just pick picked it and out and yeah. went and out uh, but mastery is always in my top three books i recommend it's, has, it's probably the biggest impact on single the books had the single biggest impact on my life is probably mastery I and you're in your like i would consider you to be very well read so that's quite yeah. a statement yeah 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 absolutely okay yeah. number 13 mm -hmm. tim ferris what would this look like if it were easy i love this yeah i submitted this one i really like it i like it a lot it also it makes me think about like what would i need to what would i need to do for this to be easy for me to feel like this was easy i think that's a nice way to look at that as well it's a different quote obviously but um that's that's kind of when i first read that gone. I, I thought yeah my mind went to like you know say my business done a million pounds revenue just not quite yet um quite far off um what would i need to do for that to be easy because i've spoke to some people recently who do that on a consistent monthly basis not even yearly basis and i'm like well what have they done to make that easy for them because for some people that's relatively easy so it's like my mind on that one just went to like what would i need to do to make that easy for me because mm. for other people they might look at my business or certain aspects of my life and think well he's got it what's he done because he makes it look easy um without actually thinking of all the stuff that i've done to make it look or appear yeah easy enough. well the, f yeah. the physique thing so yeah. I, I told you that i dieted for like i dieted down for six of the 12 weeks last year mm -hmm. whereas most people do a 12 week week would do 12, 12 weeks, weeks of dieting yeah, yeah. whereas i was bulking for the or i was still in a gaining phase for the first six yeah. and i did six weeks but that's because i've lifted weights for 15 years been pretty dialed in with nutrition for yeah. like eight of that years. so yeah so so uh, so it was it was a lot easier to do that so yeah. it was made to look easy by that yeah so like how what would this look like if it were easy probably a few years down the line with more experience and better processes and systems and better yeah. emotional control but i i had the 
I had the kind of the opposite experience with that because when I read that I was trying to get my corporate business up and running and I didn't have and every, everything you read was always about investing in really expensive courses or like running Facebook ads and basically all these complicated things and it was a lot there's a lot of overwhelm basically there's all these people shouting about different methods and I was just like totally overwhelmed mm-hmm. and then I remember reading that uh, from Tim Ferriss and I was like what would, it look, what would it look like if it were easy and that then spurred me to say well I would just email people directly from a gmail and get them as clients yeah, yeah. and that's what I did and then that's what built my business so I was just cold emailing people yeah totally free just literally manually going on Instagram and find their email addresses I've spoken about this like loads of times on other podcast stuff but basically just go and find their email addresses just send them a personalized email that's all I did. That was easy. It was free. It let, let me practice copywriting from pitching people. Hmm. And it landed me three clients that led to me to build a business I have now. So like that's what it kind of inspired in me was more like immediate. Like yeah, yeah. what is it? What would it if it was easy right now? What could this process be that was easier for me to implement? Yes. Yeah, immediately. Yeah. People would look at that from a transformation or a fat loss perspective because I think it's the most confusing industry on planet Earth with all the stuff on keto and I went fast and whatever it is, whatever the best approach is. But if you look at like what what would fat loss look like if it were easy? I would move more and I would eat less. Like it is easy. Right. It is easy. And I'd like, probably eat as close to what I eat now, provided you're not eating like a total arsehole. Yeah. But I'd probably keep my diet similar-ish foods. Adjust quantities. I'd, yeah. I'd just quantities. I'd food swap here and there. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the easiest. Rather than going like, okay, I eat like this and then I'm going to go eat keto. Or I'm going to go yeah, try so this. What's the run, first stepping you know? stone that I can take? What's the easiest first action that yeah. I can yeah. take? That was yeah. a good, good way to look at that. Yeah, that's like, um, yeah. I had a fitness YouTuber called Mark Lewis on the podcast who lost like hundreds of pounds of weight. And like he basically was like one day woke up in his like late 30s, early 40s and was like, what can I do? And he just would run to one lamppost, walk to the next, run to the lamppost, yeah. walk to the next. And he was like, I previously did none of that. So I'm probably going to lose some weight. And yeah. it was like, what is easy right now to do? Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. It, that was painful and hard for him to do because yeah. he was living this lifestyle that but was just so... Yeah, 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 yeah. But that was much easier than joining a gym and setting up a push-pull leg split or whatever else because that to him was just like, right, I'm not getting involved in that. But he was like, well, I can just get some trainers and mm-hmm. run every night <laughs> yeah. and try and run a little bit further next time. So that was easy and simple. And that's one of my most popular episodes because he he, he is he is a philosophy like that. He just applies to to to, to everything. He's built yeah. this massive uh, YouTube now. So that's an interesting framework for like either process, but also like looking at like people who are maybe further ahead and thinking things are easy for them. Yeah, there's probably a reason it's easy for, for a reason. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. a lot of groundwork there. Right, we're in the home straight, guys. Number fourteen, Ryan Doris. Don't fake passion because when you run into someone who's truly passionate, you're going to look like a fool. I love this one. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think uh, I always kind of relate this back to people that were maybe in the fitness industry that seemed to be fucking killing it. They had all this passion. They were making all this amazing content. And now they're not actually even in the industry at all. Um, I think you can I think you can fake it to make it in the short term. I don't think you can do it in the long term. I think that's mm-hmm. my kind of point on that. Yeah. You can do very well in the short term on that. Yeah, I think like for me, like we were talking about this uh, over text call when I sent you this quote, like... I realized I wasn't really passionate about fitness when I met, when I started thinking about you more. Yes. Like, genuinely, because like, I so was like, background, Chris like, was a coach. Like, no, yeah. you're genuinely passionate about it. You, yeah. you, you were like, when we first started online coaching and stuff, and then like, when Dale came on the scene and stuff, I was just like, I don't care the same I as I don't they care do. the same as they yeah. do. Like, I don't, I don't care. And I know it, it might sound bad now, but like, 
I just didn't care as much about clients as they did. Mm-hmm. I just I didn't have the mental bandwidth to handle that many clients. I just couldn't. I just couldn't yeah. do it. I like I'm not passionate about this. Like yeah. I don't. I've never really got excited to train. I've trained three, four times a week for most pretty much most, since I was fifteen. I've never really been excited by it past the age of twenty one. Yeah. Like, but I still do it because I, I I do kind of enjoy it. But there's no there's no real passion there. And I think for me when I read that, I was like, yeah, that's bang on because I think a lot of people talk about things maybe they enjoy or when they're, they're in the initial stages of something new and it's like yeah this is my passion and i'm like mm, let's see how you go six 12 months down the line maybe yeah. you've had a few challenges things have went stale you've not quite get the same novelty involved in whatever it is you're doing and then we'll see if you're you can be passionate, passionate until you monetize it as well mm. so see yeah. when the pressure comes on yeah that, it might be, it might that be totally flips it i think that totally flips it doesn't it when it's when it becomes yeah. when your hobby becomes your job then I think that can also see it with footballers, don't you? Yeah, you see it so much with fitness as well. Like you see the amount of people that just love training. Like you, for example, most people actually two or three years ago were like, "It's Colin a PT." Why doesn't yeah. Colin just be a PT? It's like well, he's not actually passionate about the aspects of coaching. You yeah. maybe doesn't want to help people no. get get in shape. I've never been really buzzing. And D- David, you and I have gone back and forth so many times about what we could maybe do. It wouldn't be me, yeah, working with somebody's calories and uh training on a yeah. weekly basis it just doesn't fire me up loads i like the idea of like bringing people on and helping people yeah. but the minutia of doing it doesn't give me a buzz yeah so i would get found out because i would come up against you and dale or yeah. whoever else in the scene that like lives and breeds it and yeah. like loves it and gets a buzz from it mm-hmm. and like you say you run into someone who's truly passionate you're gonna look like a fool because you're not you're, you're not you're not on the same level in the same way you see people start a, a podcast that are like oh, I'm going to be famous. I'm going to get these yeah. sponsors, whatever else. Episode eight in, they're getting like 200 downloads and they're like, fuck me, this is bloody tough. Yeah. Or they maybe don't get the guests that they think they're going to get. Mm-hmm. So they fall over and they look like a fool because they can't keep up. I think there's so many different areas in life that you can see people like think they've, they think, they, maybe they're not even faking it. As, as Ryan said, fake passion. Maybe they're not even faking it. Maybe it's just not as deep as they assumed it was. Yeah. Self-awareness is a, is a, is a hard I one. I think that's that. what it's getting at is like, actually think about what you're saying like are you really passionate about that like you see like the minutia is a really good point there because it's like well see when you get into the nitty-gritty of things like are you really going to be still bringing that same energy and i've kind of think i wouldn't and again i'm not going to make the mistake of faking passion but like compared to coaching when i was now we're doing like corporate marketing like i'll happily like critique somebody's email that reached out to me on instagram for free and i'm like would I have done that with somebody's training program or their calories? Probably not. Yeah. Pro- probably would have been like, I can't be bored doing that. That sounds like hell. But like if somebody... Fires you up. Yeah, I'm like, right, brilliant. Okay, I'll go on. I'll do a Loom video. I'll talk them through the changes. I'll, you know, give them basically a free coaching set because like, yeah, that's that's what I like to do. You know, yeah. that clearly... You get a buzz of, from it because you're do, sharing yeah. a skill set and you know you know how valuable that can be as well. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I don't always think people should work within their passion, but you should be passionate about the process and like what you're getting up to as well. Like, Oh yeah, 100%. Like, we were, um, you've both met Dan at my birthday yeah. last year, my 30th. Yeah. We both run the student division for the company we work at and we were hiring for a third business development professional and we couldn't find the right person because in the interviews, I'd sometimes ask them like, oh, what are you passionate about? And they'd feed me some like bullshit about like, oh, furnishing student accommodation. And I'm like, if you work in sales, are you passionate about <laughs> you making will be money? If one of them is truly, truly passionate. What are you, about, what yeah. are you passionate about? Futons, mate. Yeah, yeah, I I love absolutely. Couch, I love yeah. futons. <laughs> See the back detail on a sofa, unbelievable. Um, like that's just not true. Whereas I think like, if you're a sales professional, are you passionate about making money for yourself and your family? Are you passionate about chasing particular purchases? And that all sounds shallow, 
but that's going to drive you more to make the calls and the emails than it is to just um like david you're you're you're, no, no, you're, you're no, to get involved i was just gonna say it's funny i actually just triggered my mind so obviously podcast how many episodes you on 184 yeah like phenomenal like conversation phenomenal like continually coming up with questions phenomenal and just generally like keeping it going like you're clearly mad passionate about podcasting in general again I'm, I'm in that percentage of someone that started a podcast and to be honest i remember doing it i was like i was doing a podcast to make content just for the sake of making content i had zero passion behind make, making the, the podcast and even just thinking and watching how you conduct yourself with this comparatively to me when i was trying to you know get the fitness get the, MTN the host, podcast yeah. yeah it wasn't it wasn't there part of that's experience 100 like you, you've been doing this a lot longer you're going to be much better at it but part of it was like i was probably doing it for the wrong reasons and i, I didn't have passion like i wasn't like i want to make a great podcast i was like you wouldn't have done it if there wasn't the the angle yeah, yeah, of the back of it exactly yeah. so there's a lot there's a lot to be said for that but just look at yours like you, you you haven't necessarily monetized this until very very recently and even then it's it's you know it's not what you probably want to be yeah. in the long term um so it's not necessarily a money thing for you it was a passion project and you can see that it's a passion project for you as well like long term i can genuinely say i would i expect myself to be doing this if it didn't financially yeah like massively reward me like i don't want to lose money from mm. it and i think it's good enough to reach more people it needs yeah. financial backing to yeah. do that and like if people are listening to this and they're enjoying it please do share it with your friends but <laughs> it's it's Donate a good patreon yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we, don't, we don't have we don't even have that option but um yeah like I, I said I, to be fair yeah chris set me up with mike and oh, yeah. uh dan, dan from yeah. biceps and banter and we had a podcast in dubai and the first 10 minutes of it if i think it cancelled for me and you talking about <laughs> that clarity it was gonna be that it was so funny they were talking about only fans and it was it was it was wild ah, to be fair they got some anecdotes from me about girls that i knew that did only fans as well so if you've not listened to that episode you can go, go listen to that <laughs> but yeah completely agree like you cannot fake passion over the longer term or you're gonna lose the people you're up against and it's probably gonna lead to you pivoting far more between different things that you're yeah. doing yeah absolutely last quote and this man as well as andrew tate is uh is obviously red hot on the internet and that's alex hormozy who's david's biggest love interest apart from of course Kirsty. people well, who I'm... he's bigger, uh, he's bigger. <laughs> and alex said People who experience a victory early on are more likely to continue with something than those who do not. Yeah. Yeah, I've got some like real life experience with this one from a client perspective because when it comes to setting up calories, when it comes to sorting someone's macros and, you know, giving them the right training plan, the, the mindset should be like, you know, you do want to start someone with as high a calories as possible. You want to get them in a nice healthy place. You want to get them, um, I suppose... You don't want to start too low with these things. And again, you'll be judged as a coach if you put a, a client on too low calories. You know, you're the devil. But to be honest, the best results that I've had changed when I thought, you know what? Starting some people on crazy high calories maybe isn't necessarily the best. It's maybe the, the best long-term thing. But it's definitely not the best short-term thing. And when I thought, you know what? I'm actually going to just put their calories a little bit lower to start with. Get them quick wins. Get them more bought into the process. Get them seeing results. That has helped me achieve a much higher success rate with clients than I did when I used to just think like, you know, this will work like really long term. Like this is probably going to work over the next 20 weeks. People are like, people are fucking impatient. People pay me a lot of money. They're like, I want to see a result now. So if you don't give that to them initially, they do struggle to buy in. So creating buy-in with clients is one of the, the, I suppose, the biggest lessons I've learned as a coach, but also as a business owner as well, you want to give people that initial win. You want to give people that initial like, 
dopamine hit so that they're excited so that they see the value in it so that they want to continue so from from me and like a personal experience from a client perspective that's that's been massive for me it links um, to what we were saying about brian tracy's eating frog, yeah, frog yeah. as well because if you can create a win you generate momentum and you go forward from there you're probably more emboldened and you're more warmed up as chris was saying in terms mm. of you're writing your social post before you write your sales page because i'm feeling good i'm firing i've had a win i'm feeling like i've i've, I've accomplished something quite early on so yeah like if you experience a victory early you're more likely to continue yeah completely agree because yeah. you're just motivated because mm-hmm. you can see that the effort you're putting in is going to yield some form of result yeah and see like what you're saying about clients like when i talk to uh coaches and help them with like their email marketing their copywriting that's one thing i consistently feed back on i'm like you are constantly talking about long-term changes long-term results to an audience who has short-term goals so you might as well be talking in Japanese because they're not fucking listening. And it's almost as if there's almost like this kind of badge of honor that I find that with a lot yeah. of coaches where they're like, I only talk about long-term results and sustainable methods. So did I. I had that as well. But it's actually totally missing the mark with your audience because you, two things can be true at once. You can get long-term results yeah. and you can get short-term ones. Yeah. What I'm saying is when you're talking to your audience, especially on social media, you should be more focused on those short-term wins. It doesn't mm-hmm. make you a bad coach or a scammy coach or you're doing like, you know, sit, lose 30 pounds in six weeks or anything like that. But your clients, like you just said, you, you can probably look, if you're a coach, you can probably look at your clients and look at, say, like the first 46 weeks and look at the wins that people have had. Talk about them. And then you can also talk about, and now so-and-so yeah. is now on to bigger and better things because we actually increased our calories after she'd seen this initial drop in their physique change. But to completely ignore like the short term, um, again, it's just madness. Absolute madness. Yeah, exactly. Because see if you feel like you're banging your head against a brick wall at the start of something, and some people, if they haven't done something like a, a fat loss phase before, maybe do feel like, oh, I'm spinning my wheels, it's going nowhere. Mm-hmm they do just need some sort of sign like from from the heavens above that this is yeah. the right path to go on. Absolutely. So let's get them some sort of win early, whether that's a, a, a scale weight drop or whether that's a, a photo we put side by side and you look better, whether it's a PB in terms yeah. of how, we, how we've how we structured your training. Yeah. yeah, I actually think about like when I was learning guitar when I was like 10, 11, 12, something like that. I think like one of the smartest things to do when learning an instrument is to learn, you know, how to read music, to learn scales, it's to learn all that stuff. My guitar teacher was like, oh, I'll just teach you how to play. I can't remember what it would have been. It would have been like some Led Zeppelin song smoke or something that was really cool. <laughs> wasn't Smoking the Water. He hated that song, but it was something like easy. No, it was um, uh, The White Stripes, Seven Nation Army. Like super simple. But I was like, oh, this is fucking amazing. This is so cool. Yeah. But as if he was like, oh, let me show you what the E string does and the B and the... I'd been like, oh, okay. But he was like, let me show you this. And that that left me after that guitar lesson like... Oh, I'm going to be a rock star. You're much more stimulated yeah, to then go and learn the yeah. notes then exactly. as well. Yeah. Because how did I do that? Happens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like yeah. Help you run before you can walk. Right. Nah, exactly. Bang on. Alex Amosi. Your man. Oh, I love him, man. You yeah. do. He's class. I've written he puts out his gold. He's also releasing a new book, so I'm going to promote it for him right here. It's called $100 million Leads. Are you excited? I'm actually very excited. How, is, how phenomenal is his first book? It's pretty good. It's phenomenal. He's also got another book called Gym Lunch. It's also really good. You've learned a lot, though, because you've actioned it as well. I have indeed. Yeah, uh, yeah, you have yeah. indeed. Fine well, gents, let's let's take it home. That's been another fun one. Why that quote, um, David? Where would people be best to continue the conversation with you? Um, over on MTN coaching at MTN coaching, um, or personal Instagram, which I think is just D Hat 
MTN or dhat underscore MTN. I'm actually not sure. I think I changed it. It'll, be linked, it's one of it'll be linked in the show notes. And yeah, Chris? Yeah, I'll, I say, I'll ah. say this wrong all the time. Uh, at Savvy Scholar Chris on Instagram. Um, and your at, email? My email is chris at thesavvyscholar.com. And he does reply, but do not ask him about his hair routine. Nope, that's a secret. That's a Guys, secret. thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> I'll be back to speak to you all again very, very soon.